0: Tracking your calories and points? Are you sick of feeling crappy in your body or in your clothes? Are you drowning in constant food and body thoughts? Do you feel like you're always negotiating exercise and
1: food with yourself? If any of these sound familiar, you aren't alone. And the Diet Writer's membership is the perfect place for you to learn how to drop dieting, pick back up your life, reclaim your thoughts and your health. Join now by clicking the link in the description box below to get support and guidance along other women in this community. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. And I'm Brooke Miller. And we're both dietitians.
0: Both mamas. Both from the Midwest. But live in Denver. And we are still quarantined, but we have a guest today. I was um, going to add to
1: our our intro today that we're not a couple. Yeah. Yeah, we're not a couple. We're a lot just... of people have asked us if we're a couple, and although we are flattered, uh, we are not. We are both married. We are both married to men with uh, the first name that starts with the letter J, and they're both <laughs> in technology. That Way too many similarities, but literally we've gotten a few like, are you guys together? Because we like, both live in Denver and lived in the Midwest. And, like, and we have the like, same last name. Yes, and we both have sons and da-da-da, like all this stuff. And uh, no, we are not a couple. But if I could choose... Brooke I would choose you I want everyone I to you know <laughs> <laughs> thank you oh my gosh it feels so good um uh, yeah anyways sorry I cut you off you were saying <laughs> had to talk about the couple comment
0: uh, couple comment yeah we have gotten that a lot that question a lot like why did you guys start this business together are you married you guys in love Stop yeah that. oh my gosh <laughs> Oh man. Okay. What an intro. Yeah. So we are introducing (laughs) Jaren, and she is a dietitian, but she's also an IBCLC, which is incredible for all of you mamas who've ever had breastfeeding issues. I know I have definitely had a lot of issues and I leaned on my IBCLCs and they seriously were like, I cried because I loved my IBCLC so much. And so for those of you who don't know, it's, it's international board
1: certified lactation consultant, right? IBCLC. So with breastfeeding yes
0: Yes. so we'll send it over to jaren if you want to take it away with what you do where you live and then we can talk about the postnatal cookbook
2: yeah that would be great thanks for having me i know that we're super aligned in the work that we do um you know i specialize in in eating disorders as a dietitian but also in um, similarly to you both about helping support women from Um, recovering from dieting and disordered eating kind of anywhere along that spectrum. Um, but I also, you know, have my training as lactation consultant. So I try to really kind of bridge those worlds of, you know, moms who are struggling with their body image after birth, um, who are trying to find evidence-based information around healing during postpartum that isn't saturated in diet culture, um, who want to get breastfeeding information that isn't also saturated in diet culture. Unfortunately, they are all kind of inundated with those messages. So um, you know, my practice is full circle. And I kind of think about really bringing, you know, mom's healings full circle into being able to make sure that we're not passing on that stuff to our kids. Um, and that really, to me, starts not only during pregnancy, but also during postpartum and breastfeeding and that relationship or feeding however it looks, whether it's combination feeding or different options, um, that's kind of my unique intersection. So that's a little bit about me. Um, my practice is virtual and you know local here in San Diego in Southern California. So yeah, I have a nine-year-old daughter, um, Anna Chihuahua, who is mm-hmm. a super diva, but mm-hmm. she's great. No, she's really <laughs> I love her.
1: Yeah, so aligned on, like, our mission here and just recognizing that, I mean, we all hate diet culture of all shapes, forms, and sizes, but the diet culture that targets moms, like, postpartum moms, just, like, lights a different kind of fire right and it's so frustrating to see because we're so vulnerable in those moments we're feeling just unsettled in our body already because of diet culture what it's created in us what our expectations are set and then it just preys on you and that's that's really heartbreaking um I loved the I was actually just looking uh, on your Instagram the post that you have just recently about breastfeeding so maybe let's start there mm-hmm. talk a little bit about breastfeeding then we can go into the co- some of the postpartum stuff um yeah. one thing I find super interesting. And I remember thinking this myself before I got pregnant, while I was pregnant was like, Oh, but if I breastfeed, which I plan to, I'll lose all this weight, right? Like I'll just immediately lose all this weight. And I've talked about it on the podcast before. Like that was not the case for me. Like I know there might be women out there that that's the case for them and whatever, but like for me, my body actually holds on to weight longer while I'm breastfeeding, and then when I <laughs> when I um, wean or actually they wean themselves, <laughs> I get to a point where then my body's like, okay, now I kind of release this extra weight, and this is what Brooke and I talk about our set point weight where it changes throughout the cycle of your life. And I know my set point weight while I'm breastfeeding is higher than it is normally. And I, I'm okay with that. Now I've done some work to be okay with that, but I'd love for you to chat a little bit about that kind of misconception or that whole dichotomy of, you know, diet culture and breastfeeding and how those things are like interlinked and what kind of pressure that puts on mamas. Do you see that a lot?
2: Yes. I mean, everything you were just saying is like, not only a part of my personal experience and breastfeeding my daughter and also what I see with my clients, which, you know, my post was about stop telling women to breastfeed and encouraging weight loss. And in my IBCLC training, I started hearing that. I started hearing consultants sharing that as a way to try to encourage or motivate women to breastfeed. Um, And it just, made me cringe because you know not only should there be informed consent around like a not everybody chooses to breastfeed not everybody can breastfeed and let's make sure that everybody knows their options so they can do what feels best for their bodies Um, but also why are we now like putting this weight loss piece in there Um, and it's unfortunate that there is a ton of weight stigma and all of that stuff through pregnancy and postpartum. Um, But that was my experience, you know, being, In recovery myself and navigating postpartum, there was a lot of kind of internal dialogue around continuing to breastfeed because I was, you know, in the hopes that it was going to help me kind of control or maintain my weight. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that can be on the spectrum of disordered behavior for many individuals. So it's, it's really tough and challenging to, you know, hopefully try to separate those out now that they've kind of been intertwined together, but that's, it's a really common piece of, of what I see.
0: Yeah. I feel like women put so much pressure on themselves of, well, I'm breastfeeding, but I'm not losing the weight. Therefore I'm doing something wrong or I'm a failure. I see a lot of guilt from women experiencing that. And it is because I think we are, we hear that all the time from diet culture, like, well, if you lose or if you breastfeed, you'll burn X amount of calories. Therefore you will lose weight. Um, and women hear this over and over throughout their pregnancy. And then when that doesn't happen, or even if they lose weight and it's not as quickly as they want it to be, um, a lot of women just put so much pressure on themselves and feel like, well, I'm failing, or I'm not doing something right, or I'm not breastfeeding enough, or I'm clearly eating too much, even though they're obviously we've all been through it. Like your hunger when you're breastfeeding is so increased. I mean, your hunger and thirst is so increased. And a lot of women start second guessing that they say, well, I'm not losing the baby weight, but I'm still really hungry, but I I don't think I should eat as much. And then that's where sometimes we see, and I was actually, I'm not an IBCLC, but I was um, a certified lactation specialist for five years. And I -hmm. saw that too, where moms would then way like reduce their food intake. And then that would negatively impact their um, milk supply, which is also scary too. So, uh, it is, it's a really hard balance that diet culture just, you know, it all stems back from diet culture, right? (laughs) Like, absolutely.
2: Yeah. And just to touch on what you were sharing too, Alyssa about, um, like set point and weight you know, I think uh, now I kind of hold the picture for my clients, as I'm sure you two also do is like, that's actually adaptive, especially given, you know, my specific history, right? Or many of us who have been on diets, like your body is adapted in that it is trying to protect you. And thank goodness your body's holding on to that energy because it's going to make sure your baby gets fed one way or the other. And um, I don't know, Brooke, if you had learned this tidbit through your CLE training, but I was, like, fascinated when I heard this little piece about, you know, after postpartum or, like, when you give birth to your baby, you have that, like, mom pooch, right? And it's like so demonized and like negative and what we hear, but it actually helps your baby crawl to the breast. Like your baby can literally like launch off of it. I just think that's the coolest thing, but there are so many negative messages around like, you know, the mom pooch or what your body or belly should look like after birth, but it's part of our body and brain being incredibly intelligent.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Like reframing of that and thinking like we, we talk about this all the time in our membership. What can your body do for you? Like, let's, let's reframe it and think I'm grateful for my legs because of this or because of that. And what a great way to reframe the mom pooch. And actually just sitting here thinking Mm -hmm. like, not even just immediately postpartum, but here I am, you know, a year and a half postpartum, and I still have a mom pooch. And it's like, it does help me breastfeed. I like get to lay her down on there. I get to sit up like it's so comfortable and squishy for her. And she loves it's a cuddling pillow. With me. It's a little pillow. So it's like such a beautiful way to uh, reframe it. And also so heartbreaking to think that diet culture has taken something so beautiful, like those first moments of birth and, and climbing up to find the breast and be like, Oh, hey, you should really lose that pooch. And then To then use something like feeding your baby as a tool, a manipulative tool to say, hey, if you breastfeed, you get to lose weight and act like that's some sort of like incentive to feed your baby where then your priorities might start to get skewed. And I loved actually, Jaren, what you said there that it can actually be on the spectrum of disordered um, behaviors around food because 100% it was for me. I remember while I was pregnant thinking, okay, if breastfeeding, which I've learned in school, if breastfeeding causes you to expend more energy and if I pump more than I should, then I would, I could lose weight faster. Right. I'm like, okay, I'll feed my baby then I'll pump and continue to like, and create this energy deficit basically. And what Brooke kind of mentioned is like, yeah, but you're missing the point that you are ravenously hungry. Like it's not calories in calories out. We know this. We've talked about this a lot in our podcast. Our bodies are way more nuanced than simple math would like us to believe, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it can be so disordered to have those thoughts of I'll just breastfeed more often or you know or maybe I'm not losing the weight and so I'll stop breastfeeding and formula feed them and instead of putting the focus on nourishing this baby and coddling this relationship with your new child you're focused on the weight you know so I'd I'd love for you to break that down more and see like what other disordered habits do you see come out of postpartum and um even breastfeeding or even just postpartum in general whether you choose to breastfeed or not uh what kind of uh, disordered thoughts are you seeing that moms have um that are brought on by diet culture
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always forget that we're recording a podcast, which is audio. Cause I'm like vigorously nodding my head. Yeah, like everybody seems uh-huh. like, yes, yes, this is so common. This is, it was part of my experience yeah. too. I mean, uh, it's, it's just crazy, but so that is, is one of them, um, you know, the um, amount of breastfeeding or pumping, or just thinking about that calories and calories out specifically with feeding. Um, but you know, as Brooke kind of mentioned too, it's usually that common question. of uh, okay. What is, I don't want to restrict too much because I don't want to affect my milk supply, but like, what's the lowest levels of calories that I can go mm-hmm. to without losing my milk supply mm-hmm. is another one. Yep. Um, and I just think of so much about the work that we do in supporting our clients with intuitive eating and a huge principle of that being attunement, right. And being in touch with our body and, also, there's a level of entombment with we call it you know, the other mother baby dyad, right? Like it is a dance, it is a relationship. And if you are, you know, breastfeeding your baby and like logging your, your calories on my fitness pal at the same time, or like tracking it in your head, like, we are missing a huge opportunity there and we're also by shifting on focusing on calories and not focusing on nutrition actually like what can we add in we're missing opportunities for really like maximizing our nutrition and really you know fixing that depletion that happens during pregnancy and birth which is you know what i'll talk about a little bit later the postnatal cookbook but it just is such a shift away from like what we could be doing in order to kind of build up those stores. So that's a big one. Um, I also see another pattern, which is, there's a lot of conversations around, you know, sensitivities um, for babies and breastfeeding. And now we're hearing, um, you know, dairy being a really like common one that many moms assume is part of, Um, The concern if their baby's fussy and a few kind of others in that range too, which absolutely these are happening. Um, We know that the incidence is like less than actually 5% of babies actually have a true kind of sensitivity or intolerance. If you are in that 5%, it is so real. It is really challenging. I totally want to validate that. Mm -hmm. However, it's, you know, moms really being so hyper aware and sensitive of everything I eat is impacting my baby in this way. And if you have that history, I mean, it can be so triggering because at the point where sometimes my clients come to me, they're like, okay, I'm eating five foods because I'm so freaked out Mm -hmm. that everything I eat is going to affect my baby. And Mm -hmm. I'm just desperate for sleep. So I will, you know, have a super rigid diet if it's going to help my baby sleep better, right. Mm -hmm. Or feel better. So yeah, I don't know if you two have seen that, but that's something, you know, when I'm working with breastfeeding parents that I see pretty commonly too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a great point. Um, our culture has really demonized foods in all different ways, right? And one of that is breastfeeding, saying if your baby is anything but this perfect little child who never Mm -hmm. has gas and never is fussy and never wakes Mm -hmm. up in the middle of the night, it's probably what you are eating, right? To blame mom. Mm And it's like, no, this is a whole human that you just birthed who has their own GI issues, who has their own systems, who has their own needs and wants and desires and craves for attention and all these different things. And I think we can so easily try to find a way to fix it when it's really just usually spending time with our infant, you know, and I think our, our culture so wrapped up in, um, I don't know, blaming mom, I guess, but also the diet culture, like rules of food. And I see this all the time, actually have a table talk program, a lot of people know about, it's like a picky eating program for moms. And I had several moms ask me about um, weaning and should I be eating dairy? Should I not? What about gluten? All these different foods that might be affecting their breast milk. And I um, I actually ended up working with uh, an IBCLC to discuss this further because we talk about this. We're all different in what we specialize in. And Jaren, this before I knew you, but still asking her and she's like, you know, Most commonly, it's the way that they're latched. Like that is typically the problem is it's a latch issue. It's a feeding issue. It's like the mechanics of the feeding, not what mom is eating. But yet we're so trained, you know, and so then you start these elimination diets. And I actually have a close friend who went on a super strict elimination diet because she was feeling like her baby had diarrhea. And it's like, the more I probed, I'm like, oh, that's not diarrhea, honey. That's baby poop. Like you, you're literally just not taught that that's what baby poop looks like. That's what baby poop smells like. Like that, it's supposed to be runny and mustardy and seedy. Like that's good. But yet we're not really taught that. We're taught like we're in control of everything where we're not, you know, we're not in control of everything and we can live life with and not, you know, against and kind of, trying to go against some of these like biological necessities of babies and of moms. Um, And I also wanted to pick up something you said there that so resonated with me that maybe if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had kids yet, or maybe you have and you'll understand too, but I had no idea, even as a registered dietitian, how depleted I would be after giving birth no idea. I knew I needed more Mm -hmm. while I was pregnant. I, you know, I even like kind of got the concept that I would need more postpartum, although I don't think it's talked about as frequently as pregnancy is, but I didn't realize how depleted my nails were, you know, just breaking at (laughs) a wind's blow. My hair's falling out, you know, just all these different things. Um, so I'd love for you to touch on that more and maybe we can kind of dive into this like postnatal, nutrition what that looks like what you typically see deficiencies in and what signs to look for and also how to care for that postpartum mama Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. yes I mean I again like similar experience here even being a dietitian it's like such a a huge piece that's really left out because you know you think about all the nutrition information that it's literally First trimester, eat this. Second trimester, third trimester, and you know we call postpartum this fourth trimester. And all that I heard was keep taking your prenatal vitamin, mm-hmm. and if you're breastfeeding, eat 500 extra calories a day. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Oh, make sure you're yep. drinking
1: enough water too. Check, check, check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and
2: yeah. there's so much more than that, you know. Of course, which you know, there's some really interesting research about how, like, as humans. Um, that like our babies have such high needs during that time, because there's this idea that maybe they should be in utero longer, like we mm-hmm. give birth to them early, because Um, just, that's like kind of what our bodies can handle, but I just feel like that makes so much sense. Um, but to speak to the nutrition piece, you know, what I typically see, and this is probably because my wheelhouse is like the work that I do with, you know, helping individuals who are, are recovering or like wanting to normalize their eating. But I see under eating as one of the most Mm -hmm. common things, Mm -hmm. um, a, because of the circumstances of, you know, of course you're like doing all the things and you're sleep deprived and it's really hard to prioritize and take care of yourself Um, and just lack of time to prepare meals. I mean, you're not running out to the grocery store to grab ingredients for cooking and, you know, able to prepare a 30 minute meal. So it can just be really difficult to stay on top of your energy needs overall. Um, So that's one. And The other piece of it is really, you know, not really knowing like, what do we focus on? Like, okay, there's all these specifics for first, second, and third trimester, but fourth trimester, you know, some of those needs can vary um, and your energy needs specifically can vary based on what type of birth you had. Whereas this your second or third baby, and you, you know, had a very short pushing time and delivered Mm -hmm. in like three hours, or were you laboring for 36 hours and had back labor and then had to have an emergency cesarean birth? Like those are two totally different situations that, are gonna affect, you know, how much energy and repletion you actually might need because there's blood loss, there's fluid loss, there is tissues that need to be repaired. So pelvic floor injuries can be a part of your individual needs as well. So um yeah, there's a whole picture of things that can kind of go on there.
1: Wow. I, I mean truly I like while mm-hmm. you're talking, I'm just thinking if yeah. I could redo yeah. uh, my it, first like birth experience, I would probably hire a postpartum doula. Like now that I know that's a thing. And my mom was so there for me and like made us freezer meals and all these things, but it's also her grandchild, right? So like she wants to spend time with that grandchild and hold them and all this stuff. And this is so common in our culture. And this is not something my mom did, but a lot of people will, you know, care for the pregnant mom, and then the baby's here, and then they're focused on baby. And mom kind of gets pushed to the back, right? Like, oh, you can take care of yourself. It's like, no, I literally just pushed out a human. I cannot care for myself. I need you to bring me meals in bed. And uh, my midwife with my second child, who's actually a VBAC, um, I had a successful VBAC with my midwife, and she was so focused on postpartum care and staying in bed, stay in bed, like three months, stay in bed with that baby, snuggle that baby, establish breastfeeding, have people feed you, bring you coffee, like everything you need, have someone else do everything that they possibly can for you. And it was so empowering and like taught my husband so much. And I wish I had that the first time around. Cause actually I did have a very long 72 hour labor that ended in a C section and I was so depleted and so just like, Oh, I can't rock my own baby to sleep because of my incision. And because I was so worn out cause you're literally running a marathon. And I think that's just such an excellent point to point out of like, even that immediate postpartum, you know, regrouping and healing of the tissues is so so vital and i know brooke you had a wild birth too to recover from (laughs) i
0: sure did well i just think that there's such a gap between what women are told by their ob at their six-week you know checkup versus like everything that actually is important like you know of course taking your prenatal so important we should be doing that after we give birth still um i'm two years postpartum still taking prenatals like there's definitely you know, that's important. And they do like a very brief postpartum depression screening, but it's so brief. I just feel like there's not enough, there's not enough help that moms get when it comes to just their, their postpartum health and that's mental health and physical health. Um, really it's just like, Oh, you get an a to go back to sex and take your prenatal and that's it. Like that's all Mm -hmm. you're getting. Um, and so I just feel like moms get so neglected with, their nutrition and their health and everybody's focus when you have a baby is, well, what's the baby doing? And, and moms just get neglected. Um, and I mean, it sucks to feel that it sucks to feel like you're so physically depleted. And if you're going through postpartum depression or anxiety, and then all people are asking you, what's the baby doing? What's the baby doing? And like Alyssa said, you don't have that support, a doula or a spouse who's like, on it, you know, for you, then I think it's just it's just what's really missing for a lot of women right now. And I think that's why it's so important to have I tell every woman, like every woman, get a lactation consultant. Like even if breastfeeding's going well, just get one. Alyssa and I just had this conversation with one of our close friends who just had a baby. We said you need to just, you need to get a lactation consultant, come to, they need, they need to come to your house. They need to help you. Like you need this support. Um, cause we can't, we're, you know, states away, we can't go help her. Um, and so I just think that there, there is so much support that moms aren't getting in terms of their physical and mental health. And so what, what else are you kind of seeing in terms of like, where, where doctors are missing the mark with helping moms and kind of where their needs are getting neglected the most that you're seeing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I mean, I just echo all of that in terms of like having that lactation consultant there, having a postpartum doula, if it's something that, you know, you have access to and a pelvic floor therapist. I think mm-hmm. that that is so mm-hmm. cute for every single mom. Um, even after C-section.
1: after I need what that. I said even yeah. C-section. I, I feel mm-hmm. like because I was a C-section, I was like, Oh, I don't have to worry about pelvic floor. And then like six or eight months in, I was like, oh, I think I do. Like, I think this still did it. And I labored for 72 hours and just being pregnant affects your pelvic floor. And I didn't think I needed that. So just a Mm -hmm. reminder for all you C-section mamas, you need it too. Yep, Mm -hmm.
2: absolutely. The one piece that comes to mind of like, what else is kind of a, a theme and it's not so much necessarily, um, totally thankfully taken over by diet culture yet, but it definitely was an experience that I had. And I see, which is that, There is this period of like that first 40 days, right, which is um, upheld Mm -hmm. by many, almost every other culture (laughs) except for us Mm -hmm. in Western culture here, which is, you know, these 40 days after birth, which is really respected and moms are so well taken care of. I mean, it is a huge piece of the postpartum experience I mean either families go and live with their family or families come and stay with them Um, they help with the cooking they help with the cleaning they help with of course baby care during that time Um, and just really kind of hold them through that transition and you know I bring this up because one of the pieces that I saw I was like doing some research on like well what are some of these like nutrition practices of like special foods that are encouraged after birth and like does that Go along with some of the nutrition needs. Um, And it does, but there's some really amazing resources um, around like the first 40 days and integrating those nutrition principles, which I really love and adore. They're amazing and they're such useful resources. Um, But even my experience is like looking through these recipes and like looking at the complicated herbs and like six hours for this slow cooking stew with like all of these ingredients that like, I wasn't gonna find at Trader Joe's or Sprouts. And like, that's where I shop and that's what is accessible to me. Um, So I just really noticed that like, I felt a lot of pressure to like have this experience and like make it look and feel a certain way. And it just didn't feel like that. And it's for a lot of my clients because we don't have the systemic kind of structure in place to support that. It's not always realistic. Um, So, you know, my hope is that like, we can have access to postpartum and postnatal nutrition that is going to be supportive, but that isn't going to be, you know, overcomplicated and overwhelming. It just kind of has to be a middle path, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to yeah. hear. So it, it sounds like that's kind of your motivation behind the cookbook that you created. Is that right? And then you can uh, tell us kind of more about that and how that came about and what, what we can expect to find in there. What, what is it all about, I guess? Mm-hmm.
2: yep that's exactly kind of the piece that I felt like I wanted to put out there was being this middle path of it doesn't have to look like this perfect 40 days you know of like all these complex recipes if by all means if you have a postpartum doula if your family is there they are amazing and I think they can be so helpful and just have such Um, you know, sacred pieces to your healing. Um, But the postnatal cookbook is designed to kind of bridge that gap, which is, you know, what do I need to focus on in postpartum that can help me recover from birth um, and replenish my nutrition stores that is also simple and accessible and doable Um, it would still be great if you weren't the one preparing the recipes. Like I've had clients that like have it and their partners make it for them. Or instead of your mother-in-law bringing over like five pans of lasagna, it's like, Mm -hmm. actually, you know, these soups and stews would be really great. Like, you know, if they're already offering or you have a meal train, it can just kind of serve as that middle path to help, um, you know, meet your needs as well. So Um, That's a huge component of the 75 recipes I have in there. And I also have um, some initial nutrition information, which is, you know, basics around like, what do you need to focus on? But it's not in, you know, diety language. So it's separated, it's non-diet, it is also includes um, how to incorporate intuitive eating into your postpartum experience and support your mental health during postpartum. So that's a little bit about the postnatal cookbook.
0: Yeah. I loved when I read, um, the first like 10, 20 pages of the cookbook, I'm like, Oh, this is our girl. Like she's, I I just loved that you talked about diet culture in there because I wasn't expecting that. Like when I saw this cookbook, I'm like, Oh, these recipes actually look really delicious. And I was actually looking for some new recipes. And so I was super excited, but when I started reading about it, I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that there are more like lactation consultants and more dietitians just talking about this specifically for postpartum moms, just because this is just this population. I just feel like they get thrown in like the moment they have their baby. It's just like the wolves are coming out of, Oh, you need to lose the baby weight, buy our supplements, lose weight. And it's just like the moment you leave the hospital, you're inundated with all of this diet culture. And I love that you just like talked about it right away in the cookbook. And you're like, mama, you need to, you you need to nourish yourself. This is so important. For you, here are some really delicious recipes to try. And I think um, one thing that I've talked to other dietitians about recently is. A lot of times with intuitive eating, so much of what we talk about has nothing to do with food, which is totally fine. But I think we do get to a point where, when we understand our relationship with food, and when we understand our relationship to our body, and we're like, okay, I've moved past so much of this mindset work. But now I just want to make cooking fun again. I think it's really important to have fun recipes that you can get in the kitchen, and you can get your kids in the kitchen if you have some older kids. And Um, I think it's just so fun to like make cooking enjoyable again. And that's something that so many of us have missed out on who've been stuck in diet culture for so long. You know, it's not fun to cook when you're counting points. It's not fun to cook when you're counting calories, but I love this, this recipe book just because it's just making food fun again. And and that's just a piece that we don't talk enough about. I don't think with intuitive eating. So I'm really glad that you focused so much on that. And making it like
1: self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Like honestly, nourishing yourself through food can be an incredible form of self-care in a way of like, you're taking care of your basic needs, but then you're also like making something warm and delicious. Your recipes look amazingly comforting and like filling and robust and still delicious. And just like like a warm hug, you know? So I would love to know, first question is, are there recipes in your, you feel like mom can like, make ahead of time or, or your spouse or whatever, make ahead of time and freeze. Mm-hmm. Because that was like my good deal when I was pregnant, I was like, I need some freezer meals that I can just like pop in the oven. And two, can you give us like a sneak peek of some of like the ingredients that you use frequently in there that are really helpful to postpartum um, recovery and maybe mm-hmm. like one or two of your favorite recipes that are in there. You don't have to share the whole recipe, but like the name of it. Cause I see a few in here that are sticking out to me.
2: Yes. Yeah. So first one, um, are there recipes that are helpful for freezing and kind of batch cooking ahead of time? Absolutely. So each of the recipes I put in there, like a, I called it a mom hack.
1: Um, I see that That's so cute. I yeah. That.
2: I just, I always kind of laugh. I'm like, I'm probably literally the worst person to write a cookbook because I don't cook with recipes. Um, I'm just like a, I don't know, I'm intuitive cooker i guess is what you could say like i just kind of put things together and assemble things and the mom hacks are like okay this flexibility of like if you don't have this you can swap it with this or you know if you aren't going to cook the chicken breasts from raw you can get a rotisserie chicken like just some of those quick like tips and hacks Mm -hmm. that can be helpful because i think especially if you um haven't been super comfortable with cooking maybe as part of your intuitive eating journey you can kind of get stuck on recipes of like okay i need i need the cumin i don't have the cumin now i can't make the recipe and it's like it won't happen but you know you don't need to get stuck on those pieces it can be pretty flexible so i did put mom hacks in there which give you some of those quick swaps and also tell you if it's freezer friendly and you can batch cook it most of them are um, because that's That's what I recommend for anyone during postpartum is batch cooking and having them on hand as much as possible. Um, And the second piece was talking about what specific ingredients I use. Um, So it wasn't intentional, but I like finished writing the cookbook and I looked back and I'm like, Hmm. I feel like they all have kind of a Mediterranean vibe, which (laughs) um, wasn't intentional. I wanted to be really like inclusive, but I'm Lebanese. So I think it just happened. And I just kind of default to that um, level of ingredients. So there's a lot of like, you know, of course, like fresh um, tomato, feta, like that kind of Mediterranean vibe, lots of olive oils, but also you know, ingredients that are going to help support your milk supply, um, such as oats, flaxseed, different types of nuts and things like that. So there's a really wide variety, I hope to try to just get different types of recipes and ingredients, but um, those are pretty common staples in some of the recipes. Um, And the last one is some examples of different recipes that I love. Hmm, I'm gonna have to like about all the ones that are kind of on my list. So I love some of the soups and stews that are in there. I think they're just the coziest ones for postpartum. Like if I were cooking, um, you know, for someone in my neighborhood or something that had a baby, I would definitely make them some of the soups and stews. There's a red lentil stew that I really love in there that has gotten really good feedback. Um, And there's also an African peanut stew, which is super cozy and really delicious. So there's quite a few different ones in there that I really love um, just because I think that that warmth during postpartum is so needed after birth. Um, Yeah, and they're super nutrient dense and pretty easy as well.
1: I, I first that. of all, amazing memory because I shot you three questions and you answered them all and remembered in them. Order. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um I and something you said that just like stuck out to me um when you were talking about this was like, Oh my gosh, what an amazing gift. Like what an amazing gift to give to a friend or family member who's having a baby and to pair it with one of the recipes. Like you cook it, you know, you bake it or whatever and give it to them to put in their freezer and then give them the book too, the cookbook that would be mm. such an incredible way to, yeah. t- in a water bottle. You always have to get mom right. a water bottle, right? Like that's yes. like the rule. You have a to Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyways, what an incredible like addition. And actually I had someone reach out to me today and ask like, Hey, any suggestions on how to support um, my friend who's a mama to be? And I was like, Hmm. And I like gave her some suggestions. And I have to add that cookbook. Cause what an incredible gift to give someone um, that's like no pressure, but also like, hey, this could be really helpful to you. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yay. I'm so excited to start trying some of these recipes and sharing them with even my clients too, because I know our members and clients are always saying, I just want some like fun recipes that aren't Super, um, super difficult, or have you know 20, 30 ingredients, and half of them are things that you said aren't at Whole Foods or aren't at Sprouts or aren't at just like your local grocery store. So I love that they're so they're really pretty simple, which moms need. Moms, moms need, need that. <laughs> simple. Yes, we need it. Oh, Yay, incredible. I'm so pumped.
1: Jaren, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, For those of you listening, I will link the cookbook below along with her Instagram. And she's got a freebie for you guys, too, if you want to grab that. We'll have it all linked in the description notes below. Um, Jaren, would you mind just telling people where to find you on Instagram and kind of just let them know how they can work with you further if they want to, too?
2: Absolutely. Yes. So my um, practice is full circle, and it's just – F-U-L-L-C-R-C-L. It's a little bit different. I know you're going to link that, but I am pretty active on Instagram and just try to share little bits and pieces that can hopefully be helpful for your postpartum recovery. Um, And I do see clients individually for nutrition counseling, if you're looking for um, support there during postpartum. And then I'm also, of course, doing virtual lactation consultations as well. So Um, That's something that's been really unique during COVID and pivoting to doing online consultations, but it's actually um, increased accessibility for a lot of people. So it's been great
1: that's amazing yeah so nice jaren thank you so much for coming on and for doing this work and supporting moms in this period it's so Mm. overlooked and so so needed and we're just so happy to share you with the world and let them know that there's support out there for you so thanks for coming on it was so great to meet you and chat with you and i hope you guys all check out her cookbook below and her instagram and all her free resources too because it's incredible so thank you so much and uh, we will see you guys next week see you later Music